Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of Fearless Rebel Radio. In this episode, I have special guest Lisa Carpenter, who is a nutritional ninja. And in this episode, we talk about why your body image issues don't go away even when you have achieved the perfect figure, what accepting who you are really means, and the problem around thinking, I'll be happy when, Lisa's unique way of managing emotional eating, what it means to be conscious when you're making decisions and why this is a key component to having a good relationship with food and why being uncomfortable is critical to ditching the diet mentality. I love this part of the conversation. There's so much more good stuff in this episode. Lisa's an awesome, awesome coach. So you're definitely not going to want to miss this. Before we get started, I just want to remind you to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com where you can get your free rule breakers starter kit, including a guide with 10 missions to help you break up with the diet mentality and love your body today. Uh, My eat whatever you want manifesto as well as the 10 day body confidence makeover. And you're going to want to be getting all that because I have some really, really exciting stuff coming up at the beginning of November, including a free webinar all about remixing your body image to really just help you to embrace the body that you have today and unleash that fierce, confident woman that lives within. So head to summerinandin.com to get that information and let's get started with this episode. Do you know where you are? You're in Fearless Rebel Radio, baby. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice, not-so-PG-rated rants, and interviews with Fearless Rebel guests. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? I have a very cool guest here today. She is a fierce and passionate nutritional ninja who ignites opportunity and possibility by blowing up the bullshit around healthy eating, weight loss, and pulling back the curtain on food addictions. Lisa Carpenter is on the show today. Lisa is a registered nutritional counselor, a certified sports nutrition consultant, a precision nutrition coach, and a certified personal fitness coach. With over 10 years experience as a health and fitness professional, she has also graced the competitive fitness and figure stage, and her achievements include multiple first place finishes along with a top 10 national level placing at the Fitness Universe competition. I can't wait to ask you about that. Fueled by her passion for nutrition along with her understanding of addiction, Lisa has used her extensive background to develop the EAT program. She understands the deep connection between food and feelings and that food is a powerful drug. She has worked with hundreds of women who are tired of feeling powerless over food and has been able to give her clients a new freedom from the constraints of traditional dieting. You can find her at lisacarpenter.ca. So I'm really happy to have found Lisa. And I have to tell the story about how we found each other first because oh, awesome. <laughs> we are in this Facebook group together. I don't even remember which one, but mm. someone asked for, you know, the best short-term weight loss diet. Like they were like, I need to lose, pound, you know, like 10 pounds in two weeks or something. And I responded, quick fixes are bullshit or something like that. Like that's not how I work with people. If you're looking to make like long lasting change, then you, you know, I can help you with that. And you immediately emailed me to give me a virtual high five. And, um, I, I, then I went and checked out your website and what you had to say. And I was pretty excited to then invite you onto the show. So welcome Lisa. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love connecting with uh, like-minded people. So if more of us keep spreading this message around, you know, there are no quick fixes uh, to get to where we want to be. And that applies to anything, not just weight loss. Like things don't happen quickly. Uh, maybe more people will start to hear what we're saying and start to pick up what we're putting down. So it's going to be cool to to talk with you more about that. Yeah, awesome. So before we dig into that type of stuff, why don't you tell everyone more about yourself and your story and, and how you got to where you are today? Oh, how I got to, oh, do we have all day? I'll try <laughs> to shorten it for you. So 
you know, I started out my career as a as a personal fitness coach, and it was kind of one of those, you know, I think I'm going to start my own business. I love fitness. This is this is what I'm going to do, and it really quickly turned into a passion for me. And then I very quickly realized that without helping my clients with nutrition, not a whole lot changes. So yeah, they were getting more fit, uh, but they weren't really seeing the results they were after. So, you know, I'm a really big, I teach best when I'm also going through the process of learning. So I decided to take the competitive fitness and figure stage, which, you know, delighted my mom because it was all those years she had spent money on my dance lessons were finally, you know, I was putting them to use. Um, so I started competing from yeah 2004 to 2007 wow. and I worked with a lot of coaches and I worked with some really great coaches that were phenomenal that are still my mentors today and I worked with really crappy coaches so you know dieting to get on stage is uh, definitely a process and it can almost turn into a it's, it's a job when you're competing your, your job is to kind of pack your food eat your food do your training and you know, stay the course. And truthfully, anybody can do that for a short amount of time, even general population, right? These are why people can hop on diets for, you know, 10 or 12 weeks, and then, um, you know, they go back to kind of normal, right? We can do anything short term. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I learned from working with poor coaches is the stuff that, you know, nobody should do. And what I learned from working with great coaches is there's there's much better ways to combine your foods and to manipulate your body composition. But, you know, the other thing that I noticed while I was competing is, you know, I'm standing backstage with, with women who really emulate what everybody thinks is, you know, peak physical condition, so to speak, right? Yeah. They look flawless. It's, that, it, it's those images that women, other women look at and go, oh, my God, I can never have that. But they were still bitching about their bodies. Mm. Oh, I wish my butt had come in tighter. Oh, I wish I could see my abs more. And I'm sitting thinking like, chick, you could bounce quarters off your ass. Like, mm. what? what is the problem here? And, you know, the other thing that I noticed is that there were a lot of women who would go on stage. It was a really big deal for them. Um, so they were able, like I said, to diet for that short term. And then when they came off stage they didn't really know how to eat or their coach had put them in such a deprived state that they literally came off stage and ate themselves to death. And you know, at one point I was one of those girls. I did a national competition and then I remember getting on a cruise ship. By the time I got off the cruise ship, none of my clothes fit. Like it was unbelievable. It took me a year to kind of find my way back to, um, you know, a body I felt comfortable in again. Like it was just really bizarre. So I wanted to take those principles of, you know, the difference between um, the quality of food we put into our body and how that can manipulate our body compositions, but in a way that was real life. So, you know, not a competition style diet, but kind of building on the backbone of that. Like, what, is, what does that look like? But create something for real women that could work with real life that provided lots of choice, open the windows really wide, and um, and let them create their own blueprint. And then the other thing that was really important to me was, you know, how do we learn as adults? And, you know, this kind of all or nothing mindset, you know, how fast can I get from point A to point B? It doesn't really work for people long term. So I really wanted to back things up and my program really now has ended up being a, I mean, it's a, it's a 10-week program that I go through things with people, but every week I just add one piece to the puzzle, and every week there's only one thing that they need to focus on and learn and um, kind of sink their teeth into, no pun intended, um, so that they can really build this solid foundation of knowledge as opposed to, here's a plan, now go follow it. I'm really trying to move the women that I work with away from here's your plan. Because what happens is, just like in, in competition style diet, we can follow a plan for a certain amount of time, but if we don't understand the information and we're not following the plan, we don't know what the hell to do. So 
my program is not the end-all be-all. It is not, uh, I don't believe that there's any one system out there that's going to work for everybody. But what I do firmly believe about my program is it really gives my clients a solid foundation to continue to explore and get curious about other things that are out there and able to, you know, read labels and, and read other diet plans and hear other information that's coming out because we are constantly bombarded with new things. And be able to actually take it in from a, a place of confidence and uh, a different place of knowing, right? Being able to interpret the information differently instead of just kind of picking it up and running with it. Uh, I really want to empower my clients to be able to really own their choices for the rest of their lives, whatever those choices may be, right? So lots of different layers going on in there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You said so many good things there. And, um, you know, I love how you, you, you know, you touched on like getting, getting your clients and, and with your program, like off the all or nothing and, um, you know, taking it step by step, but empowering them. Because I think that without the empowerment piece of the puzzle, you've just got another diet that's going to fail pretty much. Absolutely. And I see a lot now of, you know, what I believe makes my program unique is that I really spend a lot of time focusing on the emotional pieces around food and are really strong. Uh, you know, usually being overweight is a symptom of something else. Yes. Um, so it's really about providing providing the women I work with the information, the solid information around food. So they really have that piece, but also helping them to get curious around, hey, if you've been on this kind of roller coaster for a long time, there's something more here for you. And, you know, the more we do work on ourselves, the more we're able to peel back those layers and actually recognize that the things that the thing we think is the thing, whether it be, you know, food or money or relationship problems, it usually isn't the thing. It's usually something to do with what's going on inside of us and what we need to heal with inside of us. So, yes, that is so, so huge. I think that's uh, that's a massive distinction there because it it's just, you know, like you said, the food and the, and the money and, and whatever else, it becomes something really easy to to blame it and but it doesn't address the real the real problem, which is like what's happening inside, uh, and that's really why like diets diets don't work is because they don't address those that those issues don't go away and no. and and like you said with um, you know when you were doing the fitness competitions and all the women like they still had these body image issues. Uh, you know, the issues <laughs> didn't go away, even though they had manipulated their bodies to be like what would be considered, quote unquote, perfect. Well, and, and you know, what's interesting about that, too, it really plies into and I think a lot of people believe this. I'll be happy when insert whatever, you know, for, for the women we're talking about, I'll be happy when I lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, 50 pounds. And the truth is, even for these women that were going on stage, and you know, I'm painting with a very broad brush here. So, you know, I may offend some people. But there's a lot of women that go on stage because they want to achieve this for themselves. And that's admirable, right? Like, it's a very cool thing. There's it's a very small amount of the population that really wants to put the discipline into changing their bodies that much. So they get on stage, they love this body that they're in, but you can't stay there indefinitely. So unless you have the tools to kind of maintain where you want to be, and unless you've dealt with the emotional stuff, it actually just turns up the volume on the shame and the guilt and the why don't I have any willpower? Because once you've been on a competition diet and then you come off of it, if you try and go back on it again, it is an ass kicker for most people, right? Because they've they've basically burnt out their um, willpower, so to speak, right? Like willpower sure. is like that steering the elephant. You can only steer the elephant for so long mm -hmm. uh, and then the elephant takes over. So it really, it, it starts this vicious cycle because now they've touched what they wanted, but they don't really want to do that again to get back there. So now they're stuck in this, they're stuck in this kind of land of, of purgatory, right? So the women that I work with, I don't specialize with getting people on stage. I have zero interest in doing that. What I'm really working with is, you know, I want the women that I work with to step into this place of acceptance of where they are now. And acceptance of where you are now doesn't mean beating yourself up 
or, you know, feeling shameful about it. It's just accepting that this is my reality right now, right? So the analogy that I used this week was, you know, once upon a time, I was single. And when I was single, that was the truth of my life. I was single. But I really wanted to meet somebody and get married. So it's not a problem for me to want to want something more, right? So eventually, I, I meet somebody, I get married. And then you think, okay, well, now my reality is, is I'm married. Now I want children, right? So I want for that. And then you start moving the pieces forward to, to move towards that goal. The same is true with our bodies and with weight loss. Um, being an acceptance of where we are today doesn't mean waving the white flag of giving up. It doesn't mean that you can't uh, ask to want to weigh less or it doesn't mean that you can't ask to want to change your body composition. It just means that you have to accept where you are today and you have to start making the little changes from day to day to move you forward to where you want to be. Um, and doing it from a place of not not beating yourself up about it, just saying like, this is where I am. And I'm seeing a bit of a trend that I don't really love around um, weight. It's almost like weight loss shaming. Like everybody wants everybody to love their bodies right now. And again, I love that. I want everybody to start where they're at. And it's important to embrace where we are and be in acceptance of that and start learning to love ourselves on a deeper level. And it's okay to want to change your body too. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You're allowed to love yourself through the whole process and ask for things that you don't want. You just can't buy into that, well, I'll be happy when. You have to be happy now to be happy later. Yeah, and I think that's where things get polluted is because, um, you know, that want to, to lose weight is correlated with the I'll be happy when. Yeah. Uh, and that's a really hard thing for people to let go of and and separate from because it they you know they feel like they're giving up um, well they have to give up control of of what their body is going to do yeah um, you know and so I I think it's 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 a tough it's it's a tough one because you know I I personally you know try to encourage my clients to let go of to let go of the weight loss as a want, you know, and to focus on what that, why they want that, yeah. you know, and usually it's because I will be able to, um, you know, go rock climbing or I will feel more confident or I will, you know, be able to put myself on a dating site. Well, you know, okay, let's work on those things instead of the weight loss and let go of that want to lose weight because, in my experience, it always translates into a struggle, a struggle that keeps is ongoing with food and dieting. Yeah, well, the, you know, the interesting thing about weight loss is generally people can't let go of looking at, um, how do I put this? When I'm talking to clients, when I'm teaching my class and I'm getting people to write down their goals, you know, I can say, okay, here's your big audacious goal. Like, say you do want to lose 50 pounds. Great. Now, put that down. Okay? So it's there, but put it down and stop looking at it. Because the truth is, you have to have the behavior goals every single day that are going to move you towards that big audacious goal. And the behavior goals aren't focused on losing that 50 pounds. The behavior goals are focused on what can I do today that is going to make me feel the way I want to feel, right? So if you were to take that 50 pounds and work backwards and say, well, you know, great, you want to lose 50 pounds, whatever. We're not going to focus on that. But what I do want you to think about is, you know, how do you want to feel? Like, how would you feel if you weighed less? How would your life be different, right? Like the things you're talking about. What would you do that you aren't doing now? And focus on that because... If they can make behavior changes every day based on does this choice support how I want to feel and the things that I really want to do in my life, right, that what and the why, um, every, it's those little baby steps, it's those little things on a daily basis that will ultimately get them to where they want to go without them even having to focus on it, right? It's just a, that's kind of a byproduct of changing your choices and changing your mindset and you know interestingly enough when people come into my program 
they realize about halfway through, damn, this isn't really so much about weight loss. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> you picked that up. That's good, right? And they, you start to see their mindset shifting into terms of, yeah, you know what? Like it's way more important that I feel confident and it's way more important that I feel energetic and it's way more important that I feel like I'm present in my life and I'm enjoying the things I'm doing. Those things now trump that initial kind of, well, I want to lose 50 pounds. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, you sell them what they want and give them what they need, right? (laughs) Pretty much. much. And you know what? It drives me crazy because I actually hate marketing my course as a weight loss program. And I've really struggled with that for years. However, I do believe it's my responsibility to speak the language that the women who are looking for me need to hear. And then as a coach, I really believe that everybody who ends up working with me is divinely kind of meant to find me, uh, that they'll get the messages that they're meant to get. And ultimately, if somebody comes to me and says, well, this is my only focus and you have to get me from point A to point B, they're not the right client for me. That's not what I do. People have to be willing to do that inner work. They have to be willing to put down their old belief patterns and, you know, they have to be willing to change their focus, change their focus, like you said, off of the weight loss and onto the how do you want to feel in your life? Like, how do you want, what do you want here? And that can be really vulnerable for a lot of people and scary because uh, it means addressing some things that they probably have just been ha- putting aside and, and masking and not making that connection. I think I think a lot of women get comfortable in the, you know, the using food as the primary solution to um, fix their problems. And like when you for when you encourage someone to look beyond that and actually look at, you know, the feelings, the emotions, like your past, the behaviors, like, do you actually really want this? That's hard for a lot of people. It really is. And, you know, one of the acronyms that I give my clients, and I've been working with this for a long time, and it actually comes from the recovery community. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm quite, I've got a lot of depth of knowledge around addiction and, and its impact. And addiction is broad, right? Like, it doesn't matter if it's food addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, like addiction is addiction. It doesn't get separate categories. And it's, you know, it's a serious thing. And it ta- it can take people out. So when you're dealing with addiction, addiction usually comes about, of course, there's the whole chemical thing going on in the brain. But it also has to do with trying to move away from emotions, things we don't want to feel, right? This is why people will turn to mood altering substances, because they don't know how to deal with how they're feeling. So in order to try and get my clients back in touch with being conscious, right? Like how do we step into this consciousness around our food and our behaviors with food is I use the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. So H stands for hungry, A stands for angry, or I use anxious as well. L stands for lonely, and T stands for tired. So I ask my clients to check in with themselves before they start picking up whatever food it is that they really know isn't going to support how they want to feel to actually say, how am I feeling right now? If you just had a fight with your boyfriend and you had, you know, you just had a fight with your boyfriend and it's been five hours since you ate. So if you have two or more of those triggers within halt, chances are you are going to be into something. Right. That you shouldn't necessarily be eating, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to support how you want to feel. I'm a mom. I got a three-year-old. I don't know, about 2 a.m. He came in because he needed to go to the washroom. So today I'm a little bit tired. I'm aware that I'm tired today, so I'm more prone to be rooting around for food that isn't necessarily going to make me feel better long-term. It would be like a quick fix, right? Like what can I have to just kind of wake me up right now? So when you're aware of your triggers, when you're aware that you're caught in this state of halt, you can actually stay conscious and say, you know what, like I'm really tired, so what do I need today? You know what, food isn't going to fix this. I need to lie down. I need to carve out that time to take care of myself, 
right? If I've had a fight with somebody or I'm angry about whatever, which is rare for me, who do I need to reach out to and connect with to talk about how I'm really feeling, to diffuse it, as opposed to eating and just stuffing down those emotions, right? If you're going too long without eating, you're setting yourself up to fail, right? We need to be feeding the body supportive meals regularly throughout the ba- throughout the day. It maintains our energy levels. So, you know, I want my clients to step back and step into a place of taking responsibility for their role in their relationship with food, right? It's so easy to just say, well, I'm an emotional eater. Well, that's great. How do you want to change that relationship? It means you have to start getting conscious about that relationship and really checking in with yourself. I don't, um, you know, what I say to every class that I start with is, you know, I'm here as your coach and I'm here to walk beside you on this journey, but I will never at any point pick you up and put you on my back and carry you. Everything I teach is about helping them step into a place of this is my life. What do I want? How do I want to feel? And it's time that I start taking responsibilities for those things in my life. And it's time for me to start taking responsibility for my relationship with food from a place that is not judgmental, that is not shaming, and doesn't leave me feeling guilty about anything. It's just saying that I'm important enough to stay conscious in this relationship. Oh, I love that you said that. That's such a good that's such a good line. It's staying conscious in that relationship because it really is the, you know, it really is the resulting emotions, whether it's the guilt or the judgment. That's what feeds that behavior and that never-ending cycle and um and the need to continue to, you know, use uh like whether it's alcohol or food or over-exercising or whatever Absolutely. to to, you know, numb those 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 triggers. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I, I noticed on your website, which I loved was, uh, you know, talking about having the courage to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that we, instead of really, you know, seeking out comfort, uh, which is what we look for and which, which, what we get from food most of the time, you know, we have to have the courage to be uncomfortable. So, you know, can you expand on that? And like, what have you done personally that's made you uncomfortable and how have you benefited from it? Oh my goodness. What a loaded question for me. Uh, you know, I had a coach once say to me that our comfort zone isn't really comfortable at all. It's just familiar. And we like to be in familiar settings, whether it's, you know, with our family or with food or whatnot. And so that ability to be uncomfortable means, you know, finding new ways of thinking and feeling, especially when it comes to, to food. And, you know, there's something about this dieting. um, It breeds community, right? So I'd love it if your listeners would take some time this week and just really tune in to how many times they hear conversations about weight loss, somebody disrespecting their body, somebody commenting about somebody else's body, whatever, right? The truth of the matter is that when you're willing to get uncomfortable and change your relationship with food and you really understand that you get to steer your ship, so to speak, right? And that you really own all the power over your relationship with food, you're no longer part of that dieting mentality, right? Mm. But that means that you're not part of that community. And we all want to belong to something. And this is why like dieting and this kind of mindset around going back there, this is why we keep ending up in that place, right? Because there's that piece in us that wants to belong. We want that familiar It's so familiar and comfortable. Everybody just kind of disparages their body, so to speak, right? So it's it's having clients just understand that piece of it. Uh, In terms of my life, oh, what things have I done to get uncomfortable? It's constant for me, constant. Uh, if I'm not uncomfortable, I'm not growing. Mm-hmm. So you know, even doing even doing things like this podcast, for me, getting myself out in the world is still. Uh, it's it's still something that I'm finding my wings with, and what it really comes down to for me is that my message is more important than my insecurities. So, 
everything that I do in my work, whether it's, you know, I've got a webinar coming up on Monday that's just, it's just a free Q&A. There's no pitch. I'm not selling anything. Anybody can sign up. They can go to my um, Facebook page. It's Lisa Carpenter Inc. And I'm just going to open it up and answer questions. I don't know what's going to come out of that. I don't know what I'm going to be asked. I don't know who's going to be on the call. You know, I feel like I'm going to be standing naked on the stage of the world and I'm just going to go for it. Um, I have a deathly fear of public speaking that I've had to work through which is uber important considering I'm a speaker now for a living and I'm getting up and, and teaching my classes as well. And just this past week I launched uh, my online course. So I'm working with women now, you know, around the world via, you know, an online meeting classroom, which is a huge like outside of my comfort zone, right? It's so easy for me to go to work, be in my comfortable studio. People have, you know, seeked me out. I get to interact with them face to face. Connection is incredibly important to me. So anything where you know somebody isn't in front of me or I'm just answering calls or questions on a call, it's incredibly uncomfortable. But I also know that I'm growing as a person and my work is getting out there and those things are both important to me. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that, you know, the scariest things that we do are the always the most rewarding. Absolutely. And I think so much of that is related to uh, people breaking outside of their shell and really becoming the person that they think weight is going to enable them to be mm -hmm. uh, doing that now in the body that they have today is is scary. And I think that's why they put it off and say, well, I'll wait till I'm 10 pounds lighter. But the reality is, is that those fears don't go away. I mean, you know, like I'm sure that with your you know your public speaking and whatnot like you know you can practice as many times as uh, like you can practice yourself to death but you're still going to feel that same fear before you go on stage and do it like it's just it, it that fear is going to be there and it's so important to step into it absolutely it's just kind of you know as i've gotten older i've just made more and more peace with myself you know i don't try and hide my insecurities anymore. I really talk openly about them. And it's not easy or comfortable to do that, to feel so uh, exposed in the world. But I also know that by doing that, it gives other people an opportunity to step back and, and take a look at themselves, right? And I don't know who I'm impacting where with my message. I have no idea if anybody out there is picking up what I'm putting down, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's really, you know, am I moving forward? Am I pushing myself outside of my comfortable boundaries? And do I really believe in the messages that I'm putting out there? And I do. And that's all that matters. Yeah, that and just being yourself, you know, Absolutely. as long as you represent yourself, you're not faking, you know, you're not, you're not um, being someone you're not like you're not putting on a, an act. Um, although I do think it is important to sometimes to fake it till you make it, but, uh, you know, that you're still being true to yourself and your values, I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say, Absolutely. uh, that that is so important. So on that, on that topic, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, talking about your insecurities, but there's a huge difference between that and saying negative things about, about oh, absolutely. yourself. And it's, you know, you mentioned it when you were talking about the fitness competitions and, and it's just, it's so much, it's so acceptable, like quote unquote acceptable for women to put themselves down mm -hmm. versus tooting your own horn. Uh, and, but how, like, I just think it's so important for us to, in order to really shift that and go against the grain, which is stepping outside of the community, because the community of, of women, let's call it, and I'm generalizing here, but it's just, it's commonplace to bash yourself in front of other people. So, but how important it is, is it to start to validate yourself or, you know, toot your own horn and celebrate your success? And, and how do you personally do that? Oh, such a great question. So in my class, I talk about learning the art of the selfie high five, right? Yeah. Um, instead of waiting for other people to tell you how awesome you are, learning how to give that to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And cultivating your own practice of self-love, right? And it doesn't need to be, it can be whatever you want it to be, right? It can just be a matter of looking in the mirror. You know, like for me, I look in the mirror, I'm like, you are going to be a rock star today, right? And yes. It sounds so silly, but it's just one of those things that makes me, it's me celebrating me. And 
if I don't learn to celebrate me, how can I possibly teach other people to celebrate themselves? Mm-hmm. You know, we have to take responsibility for cultivating the most important relationship we have in this world, and that's the one with ourselves. So you wouldn't have a child and never hug it, never tell it how much you, you know, you love him or her or how fantastic they are or how happy you are to have them in your life. But we never think to do this for ourselves. I have clients that can't even look themselves in the mirror, right? So I have one client, she actually now has written all these amazing words about herself and how she wants to feel about herself on her mirror. So when she goes into the bathroom in the morning and she's putting on her makeup, it's like this cartoon bubble around her head. You know, fantastic, you're beautiful, I love you. And it's just those little self-affirmations that are reminding her that she gets to be all that for herself. And um, in class, I have everybody keep a victory journal because I'm really big on mindset. So wherever we put our focus, that's what actually grows in our life. So if you're constantly focused on the weight you want to lose, like we talked about, that's all you'll see is that extra weight and those thighs you don't like. Like if that's what you're talking about, that's all you're going to see. But with a victory journal or a self-love journal, it's about taking the time every day to celebrate the things that you did really great. So if you went to a birthday party, let's just use this for an example, right? You're trying to watch what you're eating. You're trying to stay more conscious about your food. You're really thinking about how you, how these choices are going to support how you want to feel. So you go to a birthday party and you make a conscious choice to have a piece of cake. And so in your victory journal, you put down, you know what, I had a piece of cake. I loved every bite of it. And I was able to make really great choices at the rest of the party. As opposed to coming home and going, you know, focusing on the fact that you had that piece of cake, focusing on the fact that you had that piece of cake, but you ate it consciously and you really did really well with your choices for the rest of the day. So flipping your focus from what you maybe did wrong or you weren't super proud of yourself for and putting all your focus on the things you are proud of and the steps that you have made. Because again, you know, when you can start to you know, fill up that jar, that self-worth jar with all the things that you feel good about, even if they're the smallest things, it doesn't matter, right? It takes all sorts of size pebbles to fill up a jar. That's when you start to realize that you're really making big shifts and your mindset will really start to move to this place of always trying to move away from what you don't want into a place of moving towards what you do want for yourself and there's a really really big difference there so it's each of our responsibility to make sure that we are finding those ways to practice self-love and to focus on the victories in our day whether they be about our bodies our business or our relationships yeah that's awesome and i i actually have a similar exercise that i use with my clients or in my um online rock your body program and that's like i you know i call it just giving yourself like a a a high five giving yourself giving yourself credit because it's like i i use the analogy of um like weightlifters so if you go into you know like a a gym and you see those guys that have uh you know all they do is like upper body work like they just and so they have like these huge upper bodies and then they have these bird legs and it's the same thing like if you're always beating yourself up if you're always looking at the negative then you're building up your braiding muscle in your brain like your your mindset always looks for like what should I have done what did I do wrong instead of what did I do right (laughs) and if you can start to build up that validation muscle like what did what I did right like celebrate your success you can shift that and you know build up that side of your brain so that you look at things from a more positive perspective And it's so important because that berating, like that putting yourself down, that judging yourself, like we said before, is what really um, leads to that sabotage and keeping people stuck and then looking at, you know, looking for food to kind of numb those triggers. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we need to acknowledge that when anybody is starting out with a practice like that, it's going to be really, really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because if you have been in a mindset of, you know, for some of the women I work with, they, their issues with body image started when they were, you know, early teens, like, you know, 12. 
um, that's a lot of years of a that habit, whether yes. they're super conscious of it or not, that habit of picking on themselves, beating themselves up, being their biggest bully. So when you finally decide, okay, you know what, I'm really gonna, I'm gonna make an effort to really be kind to myself, it is uncomfortable and it takes practice. You have to stay at it. Just like, you know, if you wanted to learn, I don't know, how to do ballroom dancing, you'd have to take lessons. You would have to practice the steps over and over and over again. You know, there's a quote that I love that says, habits can't be tossed out of a window. They need to be gently coaxed down the stairs. And the same is true for those habits in our head about how we talk to ourselves. You really have to start to exercise that muscle, like you said, of self-love and self-worth and a place of what am I doing right and what do I love about myself and what is amazing in my world. Um, it just takes practice and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to catch yourself, you know, being mean to yourself again. And it's just about saying, okay, committing to it, right? Even a gratitude journal, writing in a gratitude journal every day, just about the things that you're grateful for in your life, not even to mention your body, but even that can start to shift. So if trying to find gratitude in your body just feels too overwhelming, start with finding gratitude in your life and yeah. see how much that makes you shift your mindset just around your uh, perspective. Your perspective of life will turn more positive. Yeah, and you'll actually be able to accept compliments from other people instead mm -hmm. of, you know, deflecting them. Like, because I think that, you know, we seek validation from other people, but which is, you know, it's not a healthy place to build your self-worth from validation from other people, mm -hmm. but you actually can't even accept it when you don't feel that in yourself. So it's a, like, it's a, it's a worthless exercise, not, not exercise, but it's, it just, it doesn't work when, when people leverage that as their only way to feel, to feel special and to feel loved. No. And you know, even in my own career, so I've been at this for a long time. I remember when people would, you know, give me compliments like, God, Lisa, you know, you're a great coach and you really know your stuff and you've really impacted your life. And, you know, I was more like a ninja than deflecting. You know, I, I had a really hard time receiving compliments and it was because I was struggling with my own self-worth, although I didn't realize it at the time. I've done a lot of work on myself to peel back layers and say, okay, what's really going on for me here? And I had to practice, like when somebody gave me a compliment, just saying, yes, okay, thank you. And then moving from there going, giving myself compliments, like Lisa, you're a rock star today. That was really awesome. You said really great things and that was a great session. You know, we're all wrestling with this wanting to be our best selves and we all want to feel good about ourselves. But you have to start uh, being conscious of your patterns if you want to unravel them. And it's not about being perfect. It's not about getting it right. It's just about saying you're willing to stay in the game because you want to live your best life on every level. Yeah, exactly. And so you I know you have you have three kids, right? I do. And I do. and like you're an entrepreneur. So how on earth do you make time for yourself? Well, here's the thing, you know, I've got a I've got a 14 year old and a 12 year old who's soon to be 13. And I've got a three year old. And I've done a lot of things right, and I've done a lot of things that yeah, maybe I tweak a little bit. Uh, when my first two were young, I really worked like a dog, <clears throat> and of course, these were the years I was competing as well. And you know, I've written a blog post. Um, I did a Mother's Day blog post to really express my emotions as a mom because being a mom is a really hard job. And for a lot of years, I kind of thought, wow, like I think I'm missing the gene that goes along with being a mom because I really love being an entrepreneur. Um, how do I make time for myself? Well, you know, after Jake came into my life, my three-year-old, um, in 2000 and let's see, 12 or in 2014 now, 2012, there was a really major incident that, that went down in my life. And, you know, that's a story that is probably going to be told sooner than later. Um, but I really had to sit back hard and look at my life and start to take responsibility for my role. So, you know, when Jake came in, I didn't slow down at all. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, oh my goodness, I remember going to a corporate client to present and then literally driving my standard transmission car well hooked up to my electronic breast pump to get back to the studio for another client and so my husband could come in and pick up a bottle for the baby. Like, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But it was normal for me. And so when, when you know, my, my feet got taken out from under me in, in 2012, it really was that universe saying, you know what, you need to look at your own shit here, Lisa. You are a great coach, but you are not being very good to yourself. But I couldn't see it. So, you know, I started on my own journey of self-exploration and learning that, you know, doing less is doing more. And that actually I don't need to multitask every second of the day. My self-care now is my highest priority. And, you know, I will go to my grave saying that the foundation that that held me through that period of my life was the fact that I eat so well, right? So I had this really solid nutrition that supported my body during that um, high time of stress. But I also had to learn, you know, that I need to sleep more. I mean, in the days I was competing, I was up at five and I'd see clients till nine o'clock at night. Mm. And again, normal, right? Uh, now I sleep more. My tra- I don't train as much anymore because, again, I look at everything I do in my life. Is this supporting how I want to feel? And as I get older, I want to continue to feel strong and healthy and vibrant. I want to be able to do all the things in my life. So this kind of mindset of pushing through and, you know, sweat is your fat, crying bullshit, like... I'm just done with those messages from that industry and I bought into them for so long. They're just so normal in the personal training industry. So there's a very big difference between knowing when, you know, I don't really want to go to the gym, but I know I'll feel better as opposed to this morning. I didn't sleep well last night. I was supposed to meet my girlfriend for a workout this morning and I sent her a message and said, you know what? To this morning, my sleep is more important than my workout. I'll have many more days to exercise, but when my sleep goes out the window, nothing good happens. So there's a lot of things I do to promote my own self-care. My nutrition never wavers. I get regular exercise, although I don't stick to a set schedule anymore. I don't even give myself like you have to work out X number of days. I just really trust that I'll get to the gym because I love it. I really do love working out. Mm -hmm. Um, I make sure that I have time off with my family. It's really important that I get out and play and I'm working on playing more. Uh, And, you know, just simple things like during the day, if I'm working, I've made a promise to myself and I'm learning to keep it that I can turn off the computer for 10 minutes and go for a walk and I'll actually come back more productive than if I try and just push through. But I've really had to learn this. And it was, you know, when you talk about things being uncomfortable, slowing down for me was incredibly uncomfortable. And I think for a lot of women, you know, we use busy as a way of avoiding things in our life that we don't want to look at. Yeah. So whenever, yeah, when everything went down in my life and I had to slow down and I was forced to slow down and even my health was affected, right? So I'm still recovering from adrenal fatigue and I was forced to slow down and it was really uncomfortable. Like there was a piece of me that felt a bit like a failure because this is what we're supposed to do as women, right? Like we're supposed to have all our shit together, be able to juggle all these balls and look like we've got it all together. And I didn't and I don't and I never will. So putting down those stories and just saying, you know what, everything will get done when it gets done and I don't have to sit in feelings of anxiety and I don't have to feel like I've got to be burning the candle at both ends and I am allowed to rest and I am allowed to play and I am allowed to set boundaries and say, no, I can't take on that. And, you know, I teach in my class when people start the program because it is like, to take my class is a big commitment. There's a lot of learning. It's like going back to school, right? It's a, it's a full immersion in thinking a different way about it. And I say to them, you know, if you've come to this class and you're, you've, you, you're here because you've decided you need to make yourself a priority, what else in your life do you need to stop doing to carve out time for this? Because if you've walked into my classroom thinking that you're just going to pick up one more spinning plate... I am here to tell you that you are going to be sit on your knees in tears with a bunch of broken plates around you. So, you know, what do you need to stop doing in your life so that you can start doing the things that you want to and so that you can start making you a priority? And I can speak so passionately about that because I've had to do it myself. There is nothing that I teach 
and there's no message that I put out there that I haven't been working through myself. Right. So I'm not a I'm not a guru. I'm not a, you know, do as I say, not as I do. I really live this shit. (laughs) I am in the trenches with them. I get it. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Wow. That was like an amazing answer to the question. (laughs) That was awesome. That was so, so good. Um, So as we wrap things up here, the last question that I like to ask all of my guests is what is the most fearless thing that you have done? Oh my goodness, what is the most fearless thing I have done? I don't think that there's anything that I have done that hasn't had a trace of fear mixed into it. I mean, I've jumped out of a plane before. I thought that was pretty scary. Uh, but honestly, standing up to speak in front of people is is one of my one of my scariest one of my scariest things. But you know what? I think that the thing that fills me with the biggest fear um is just being the best parent that I can to my three boys. There is no more challenging job on this earth than, you know, hoping that the messages that you're handing out to your kids are the right ones and that they're going to grow up to be, you know, good people doing good work in the world and that they understand that they're amazing beings and that it doesn't matter what anybody else does or says that they get to determine you know, where their self-worth comes from and that they know who they are. So, yeah, I think that's probably the scariest thing for me is just every day being a parent and being in it. And, you know, for those of you with with young kids, oh, my God, that's the easy part. You know, I've got a three-year-old who wants to cuddle me for three hours before he goes to bed. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking in my head, oh, my God, please just go to sleep. And then I got a four-year-old who's wrestling with, you know, friendships and relationships and schoolwork and sports and you know, and you see the emotional immaturity, right? And they're just doing their best. And that's really, as parents, that's when we're in the trenches is when, and when we got teenagers. So yeah, that's probably the, that's probably my scariest thing in life. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think that's a good one. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So where can people find you? I'm assuming at your, on your website, where else are you on the internet? Yeah, I've got, um, well, I've got my Facebook page, which is Lisa Carpenter, Inc. Uh, I have a hmm, Pinterest account as well, where I try and pin up a bunch of recipes. I'm not a cook, though. I'm like, I teach people food, and then I look to my clients to design awesome things, right? Nice. Uh, And that's Lisa Carpenter, Inc. as well. On my Facebook page, I will be posting the link to that webinar on Monday, and I will have lots more webinars, so I'm not sure when this uh, podcast is coming out, but if they're on my mailing list, which you can sign up on my website, they will be apprised of when I've got classes starting or when I'm hosting webinars or kind of anything that's going on. You never really know what's going to land in your inbox for me. Sometimes it's about food, and sometimes it's just something meant to uh, inspire and make people maybe a little bit uncomfortable to help move them forward so beautiful love it and i'll link to all that in the show notes well thank you so much for all your time today and sharing your story and all your awesome insights i'm actually really shocked to hear that you're scared of public speaking (laughs) because (laughs) you're so good well yeah i mean and that you were nervous about the podcast because you did such a good job so thank you so much it's been a pleasure having you here today and rock on Lisa <laughs> too like they're we just need to keep cultivating this community of of women supporting each other women in our industry really like you know linking arms and saying you know what we all have a voice here and we can all make a difference and it doesn't matter if we share the same philosophies or not it's about giving the people we come in contact with an opportunity to, to change their own lives, right, by the positive messages that we're sending out. And and that really is what it's all about. So I really, really appreciate you having me on. This has been so much more fun than I even could have imagined. So oh, thank you very much. Well, thank you. And I will talk to you soon. Sounds great. If you like what you've heard, please head to iTunes and leave me a review. I would be so grateful if you took two minutes to do that for me. And don't forget to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rocking your bod. Until next time, rock on.